face today. It's uh, great, great to be able to get together. Um, and, uh, and I want to just kind of get right into it. If, if you are new and this is your first time here, we are, we are so glad that you're here and, and just want to welcome you. And for those of you watching online, thanks for joining us as well. Um, but I, but I want to get right to the, uh, the, the topic uh, for the morning. I, I emailed out uh, in, in the weekly connection that goes out on Thursdays uh, at one o'clock uh, a question uh, in there for this morning. And I, and I wonder if you'd been thinking about it a little bit. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but it, but it really does apply to what the video uh, has set up for us and what we're going to look at today. And the question would be this, who has a marriage that inspires you? Who has a marriage that inspires you? In, in your life, that, that somebody that you've, that you've looked at, maybe somebody you've looked up to, uh, maybe it's just somebody that you've, that you've seen, um, you know, occasionally or, or whatever, um, and, and then Why? Why? What, what is it that, that makes you say yes? What is it that makes you say yes, that's what I'm striving for? Is it the fact that maybe they still date each other? Is it the fact that they, that they hold hands, the little things? Is it the fact that maybe they can just simply tolerate each other still to this point, right? Um, there, there are various things uh, that, that maybe go into that, but I would be willing to bet that one of the reasons... One of the reasons, if not many, is their love for each other that is demonstrated by their faithfulness. That's demonstrated by their faithfulness. I would be willing to bet that if there is a marriage that, that you have seen that has inspired you, and, and maybe you haven't even thought about it that way, but as you're thinking about it, probably one of the aspects of that is that they are incredibly faithful to each other. We've been talking about the way in which God loves us over the last few weeks and looking at how he loves. And as we've looked at that, um, we've been looking at different um, examples throughout scripture of how he loves us. And, and the first week we talked about um, the kind of motherly love of God in and, and Mother's Day and, and the way that some of the principles of that apply to the way in which God loves us. And then last week we looked at fathers and, and the fatherly love of God the Father, obviously. Uh, and, and today we're going to look at, uh, at a different aspect of God's love, and that would be uh, through the ideals, if you will, of marriage. And, you know, the, the love of God, some of us have uh, still trouble embracing that. And that's why this topic today is actually very good uh, in, in that regard, uh, because we're really going to look at, at the love of God and, and remembering how much we matter, because we forget our value to God. We forget not only just our value in general, but we forget our value specifically to God. And God is love, and the idea of God uh, really being love, that idea and learning more about his love for us and how he loves us will really help to uh, take our relationship with him to maybe a place that it hasn't gone before. Maybe take that and deepen that relationship with God because when we understand more about the way in which he loves us, it really helps us to then embrace his love for us because we get this false perception of the love of God many times. And so we're gonna look at marriage today and remembering that there is no limit to God's love for you and for me. And so with that idea, looking at the perfect picture of how he loves us is through that picture 
of marriage. We realize, at least I hope that you do, that the first thing that, that God instituted um, and is, is marriage in, in, in Genesis. And so let me kind of get into this with a statement um, that should make a whole lot of sense to every one of us, and that would be this. The success of a marriage is dependent upon the people in it. Duh, right? The success of a marriage is dependent upon the people in it. So keeping that in mind and looking at our relationship with God and the picture or beacon that marriage is supposed to be of the love of God, keeping in mind that it is dependent upon those that are in it. Marriage a lot of times uh, today especially, it, it gets a bad rap. Marriage gets a bad rap today, and, and some of that is, uh, is just our fault as humanity. Some of that, if we're going to be honest, is, uh, is the fault of, of the church holistically. Um, but God intended it really to be a beacon of the love of God, the, the covenant that he has made with us. Now, a beacon is, uh, by definition, is, is a fire or a light that is set up high uh, in, a, in a place as a signal, as a warning or celebration. And some of you are like, yeah, marriage could, could possibly be that signal of warning or that signal of celebration. And, and in some ways, yeah, it can, it can be both there for sure. But like many other things that God has created, marriage has really been um, perverted. It has been downplayed and its value to the world has really been diminished considerably, big time. Um, the, the decline of, of marriage and the decline of the family has had such a trickle-down effect to many of the issues and problems that we're seeing in our world today. But marriage is also a covenant. It is a covenant. And a covenant is, uh, is an agreement between two parties, absolutely. But, but it's way more than a contract, and it's way more than just a promise, a covenant with God. There, there have been covenants from, from the Old Testament up through today, and we're going to talk about what is considered the new covenant uh, here in just a minute. But when we think about marriage as a covenant between a man and a woman, we recognize today that that is legal and that that is binding. And, and when Jesus died for our sins, though, he ushered in the new covenant that is holy and completely dependent on God's faithfulness instead of our own. So when, when we look at this, we, we must realize in this statement, the success of a marriage is dependent on the people in it, that it is wholly dependent on God. And, and one of the points I mentioned last week was that it's wholly dependent on who he is and his love for us and dependent on those that are in it. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. I want to look at this verse here to kind of set us up. It says, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. So that's eternal life um, in you know, heaven forever with Jesus. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions, so that's, that's Jesus paying the price for our sins, redeems them from the, trans, from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So this new covenant takes care of the things that the previous covenants could not because Jesus is the one that established it. And so God is in this relationship with us. And we, the church, we are his bride. And he is forever committed and faithful and loving forever toward us. 
Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter five. You've probably heard this at weddings. I've read this a bunch of times at, at weddings that I've, I've been able to have the privilege to be a, a part of. It says this, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is how it should be. This is how it should be. But often, oftentimes it's, it's not because, uh, because we screw it up, <laughs> because we're sinful people. We should strive for this, but inevitably, we end up messing it up at some point. And thinking about this in terms of our relationship with God and that picture of marriage that that's supposed to be. See, we all want that happily ever after. And that happily ever after, while it sounds great on a Disney commercial, I think we all know outside of, of heaven, we might have happily ever couple of weeks, might have happily ever couple of days, but happily ever after sounds great, but on, on this side of heaven is impossible because we're involved. <laughs> People are involved. We all want that, but only God can truly love in that way. And some of us, a lot of us, have been hurt in this area of marriage. Some of us have been treated poorly or even treated others wrong in this area. But you know, we've all treated God poorly in some ways. We've all treated God poorly in some ways. And unfortunately what happens is we end up going through this equation in our head that is not correct because we forget, as I was saying at the beginning, we forget about our value to God we forget about how much he loves us and we take the things that we know of God and the character of God and we push those aside for whatever reason because when we disappoint God, we end up thinking this equation here. We think this, disappointing God equals losing his love. I hope that we would know better, but this is what we end up thinking. A lot of people end up thinking this, I've disappointed God, therefore I've lost his love. When in fact, the, the real equation um, should be this. Disappointing God does not equal losing his love. If you've seen, there's just a little slash, that's the only difference, but it's a big slash. It's a big difference. Because this is the right way to look at the love of God. Because if it were the other way around, if it was disappointing God equals losing his love, all of us would be in trouble. Every single one of us would have a problem and all of this would be a waste of time. But in fact, God's word actually gives us a story that shoots down that idea, that, it, that in, in, in many ways reinforces and, and proves this. It's, it's throughout scripture in, in many places, but considering the topic that we're looking at, at today, this, this is a great, great example because God's love for us is like a marriage and everything that comes along with that. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app and you want to follow along and, and look at the uh, scripture passage that we're going to be looking at today, I'm going to be in the book of Hosea, Old Testament, um, book of Hosea, uh, the prophet Hosea. And this is actually a really interesting story to read uh, top to bottom. Uh, so here's a little homework for the week. If you've never read through the book of Hosea, um, go ahead and read that because it's, uh, it's an amazing story of God's faithfulness. Um, but it's also a story that's probably very surprising if you've never heard this story before. The book of Hosea actually begins with God's command to the prophet Hosea to take a wife 
who is, uh, is and will be unfaithful to him. And her name is Gomer. Not my first choice of names, but I don't know how many people had that on their list of like, my daughter, Gomer. Um, but she gives him three children, and she is unfaithful to him over and over and over again. And you might be guessing this, that this does not result in a happily ever after. Um, but what we do see is God illustrating to his people that his love is faithful, relentless, and redemptive. Those three things. And, and, and if, you, if you wanna walk out of here with nothing else today, I hope, and, and what I've been praying for is that you will walk out with those three words on your lips about God, that he is faithful, he is relentless, and he is redemptive. We're gonna be in Hosea chapter two, beginning in verse 14, so you can read along with me here. It says this, therefore I am now going to allure her. Now this is God talking about the children of Israel and how he's going to, to bring them back into a relationship with him. It says, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she will respond as in the days of her youth. As in the day she came up out of Egypt, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. Now, there's a lot of symbolism throughout the book of Hosea. And some of this, if you just read it without context, can be really confusing. Um, but what these verses are describing are God's plan for restoration and redemption of his marriage with his people, with the children of Israel. And yes, this was directed directly at the nation of Israel. At the same time, we can relate to this too because God's um, character and his redemptive plan for humanity um, bridges all of that because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the character of God is the same as it was here. These principles and these character traits can be applied to us even today as well because God's love is merciful and God will, as you'll see here, continue to draw Israel back and the picture of Hosea in the way in which he is constantly bringing Gomer back and constantly is a picture of God constantly going after us even after we are unfaithful and disappointing over and over and over again. Let's keep reading here. Verse 19 says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. Think of that as God saying that to you. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one, which is what one of Hosea's kids' names actually translates to. Uh, I will say to those called not my people, which is another one, another one of the kids, that's what their name translates to. You are my people. And they will say, you are my God. And so this is, uh, this is God laying out his plan and showing his faithfulness. And that's one of the words that I want to focus on here right now as, as we're looking through this is the word faithful. Because God is eternally faithful and incredibly faithful. We see an example of the character of God and his faithfulness through all of this 
Because disappointing God cannot equate to losing his love. It's not in his character. It's not in his character. Yet that is so hard for us to accept. It's so hard for us to accept. Because we think we're smarter and we think we know better. And we let the enemy tell us things and deceive us. Even if we've been like, if if you're like me and you've come up through Sunday school your whole life, or maybe you're not and you're just new to the faith, um, this is still something that's that's tough for us to to really accept. That disappointing God does not equal losing his love. You know, this is, at least I believe, this is one of the reasons why they say 80 to 85% of people come to know Jesus before the age of 17. And why we do focus a lot on, on youth and students is because once you get older and you become an adult, you think you know better and you start reasoning and you start putting these things in. Oh, this seems too simple. This seems too easy. I've done this. Don't you know? God's not going to accept me. And that could not be further from the truth. That's why Jesus said, let the little children come to me, right? Because they just do. Because God is faithful and they don't question it. Because when you're a kid, you maybe haven't had, and some of, some of us unfortunately have, but maybe you haven't had unfaithfulness so much in your life that you stop trusting people. But just as God asks husbands to sacrifice and sacrificially love their wives, so God is gently drawing us back to him. Gently draws us back to him, not to force obedience, but with tenderness and with love. He draws us back to him. So look at this verse again in in Ephesians and think about the relationship to the character of God in his holiness in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Look at this again thinking about everything that we've already talked about. Husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. God was and is faithful and it didn't it didn't matter as Christ loved the church and and gave himself up for her. He was willing to go after his church no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Why? Because God's love is not only faithful, but it is also relentless and it is also redemptive. God's love is relentless and redemptive. I love this word relentless. Just as, as Hosea would not void the covenant of marriage to Gomer, over and over and over again, she was unfaithful to him, and he continued to go after her, continued to relentlessly continued to go after her. And God does the same. God doesn't cancel the covenant with us just because we disappoint him, because he is relentless. And I love that word relentless. It, it, uh, another uh, definition of it is inflexible or oppressively constant. I think that's an interesting way to look at that. Oppressively constant. That is how God loves us. He is constantly there. He he will just continue to come after you and continue to come after you. And he will try every angle because he loves you so, so, so much. But like Gomer, we all fail at being faithful. But marriage continues to remain as it should the beacon or the icon of God's love because of God's commitment to his bride, the church, you and me. God's love for us is also uh, redemptive and restorative. He, he redeems us. He, he, he 
forgives us, he brings us back to him, he draws us back to him, and he restores us, meaning he makes things right. If we fall into his arms and we lean into him, he will make things right, he will restore. I love to say that that God's in the business of, of breaking us apart so he can put us back together and put us back together stronger. Because of his faithfulness, he does not want our forced obedience but he wants our love and he wants our commitment. And this is why a lot of people think that God's love is a fairy tale when you describe it, but God's love is not just a fairy tale. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a story either. It's not just some story. It's the best truth that you can ever know because there is freedom in accepting that love. I've had people tell me when I've sat down and and talked to them that, that, boy, this all just sounds too good to be true, that this sounds too good to be true, which is why it is so tough for us to accept, because we feel like it's, it's too good to be true, but it is true. It is true. God's love is not just a fairy tale. Let me ask you this question. Do you feel like you feel like your mistakes keep you from God? Be honest with yourself for a minute. Do you feel like your mistakes keep you from God? Based on what we've read and based on what we know of the character of God, can I just give you some advice on that one for a second? Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Because it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. They don't keep God from you. Our mistakes don't, don't keep God from us. We keep ourselves, we keep ourselves away from God because of the mistakes that we make and we let the enemy do his best to use them to chain us back. Those mistakes don't keep us from God. Those mistakes tell us and, and lie to us that, that we are are away from God and that, and that we don't belong and that we don't deserve it because we've disappointed him. Don't believe the lie that the enemy puts in your head because God's loving relationship with his people, with you and with me, is like a husband that never gives up on his wife. That's the picture that we see in scripture because God gives grace and he gives forgiveness and he, and he gives mercy and he goes after her no matter what, no matter what. And he loves her and he is a champion for her and he is cheering for her regardless of whether she is returning that sentiment or not because a covenant is more than a promise and God never gives up. God never gives up on you. So don't believe the lie that the enemy tries to tell you when you disappoint God because we're all gonna sin, we are all sinners, we all make mistakes, but his faithfulness can bring redemption to the things that we are ashamed of or embarrassed by. He is not ashamed or embarrassed by you. I think there's some of us here that need to hear that. Your heavenly father is never ashamed or embarrassed by you. So let me ask you again the question I asked at the beginning. Who has a marriage that inspires you?
in light of everything that we've talked about today? Let me tell you the answer to that question. If you're a follower of Jesus, you do. You do. The church does. Or if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me put it this way. You can. Because God's love is like a marriage. The covenant commitment that the God of this universe has made to you is unshakable. And so whether you're married or not on this earth, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you have a marriage of complete and utter faithfulness that is relentless and in love with you because God is crazy about you. And all you have to do is accept that. And so my connection point for the morning is this. God never gives up on you. He is faithful, relentless, and redemptive. He never gives up on you. So stop believing the lie that the enemy and the people around you potentially put in your head. Because God never gives up on you. His love is beyond what you can do, beyond what you deserve, no question about that, but he will do whatever it takes to take care of his bride. He will never stop coming after you because you are his bride, the church, you. You might give up on you. Other people might give up on you. Even those closest to you might give up on you, but he never will. He never will. You know why? Because there is no limit to God's love and compassion. Because our Heavenly Father doesn't ask us to earn His love. He gives it to us through mercy and grace. And He never gives up on you because He is faithful, He is relentless, and He is redemptive. Will you bow your heads with me? I think there may be some of us here or watching online that have felt like because they've disappointed God that, that they've lost his love or that they, they don't deserve his love and, and all of that and that they can never have a relationship with God and that just these lies that the world keeps telling us. But yeah, marriage is dependent on the people who are in it. But if you've got a relationship with Jesus, you're wholly dependent on him. That's all that matters. If you want to know more about that, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, if you want to have this, this relationship that is faithful, relentless, and redemptive, he can make all things new. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can go to connectchurch.xyz next and find out more. You can chat with somebody right there. And I know that they'll that they'll talk you through that and, and, and pray you through that. God loves you no matter what. He never gives up on you. And he has done and will continue to do whatever it takes. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. Where we are unfaithful, God, you are always so faithful. 
Lord, we're never gonna get it right all the time. We're gonna blow it, we're gonna mess it up. And you're always standing there welcoming us back with open arms. Lord, some of us might need to repent and turn to you. Maybe we've never really fallen into your arms, Lord. We've never really began that relationship with you. Something has just been chaining us back and holding us back. Father, I pray that you would just release those chains. Through your Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. God, you are relentless and you are redemptive. There is nothing that we can do to make you love us more and there is nothing we can do to make you love us less. And I thank you so much for that truth that we've seen today in your word. Pray that your spirit would just continue to move now in Jesus' name.